It's Monday, March 30th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser, and from the Great White North, all the way up in Canada, Taylor Mockerman. Gentlemen, happy Monday. Happy yeah, to be down here. here. Yeah, nice and warm down here. It's going to be 70 this week. I can't wait. Uh, yeah, it's about time. You need to get out there and play some golf. <laughs> what an old fogey. Uh, I'm thinking about baseball, not golf. Come on. <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, Sunday, Cardinals Cubs. Cardinals Cubs is that the opener? That is. It's only like a week until the uh, until the Masters hits town too. So mm-hmm. there, okay. there. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Lots to watch. Lots to get to today, including the Breakfast Wars and how Amazon may put Angie's List out of business. But we begin with the big headline over in the pharmaceutical industry. United Health Group has announced it will acquire Catamaran, a pharmacy benefits manager, for twelve point eight billion dollars in cash. Uh, and first and foremost, I, we should explain, a pharmacy benefits manager is a, a company that bridges the gap between employers and their health, health insurance plans uh, and the drug companies and the pharmacies that provide the drugs and medications for those insurance plans. Someone's got to get in the middle uh, and help set prices. Jason, this deal between United Health Group and Catamaran, uh, does the acquisition, in your mind, make sense for United Health Group? Sure. Well, I mean, who says you know drugs don't pay, right, Mark? Right. I mean, this is what the deal is really about. It's uh, it is as you mentioned, a pharmacy benefit manager uh, joining a, really what is a, considered a, a health wellness uh, mm. company in UNH that, that provides a number of different services. And so, yeah, I mean, this this is a deal that's really all about scale. I mean, consolidation in this industry is happening. It only makes sense, and and. Um, and certainly, United Health recognizes that. If you look at just the demographics here, uh, I found some interesting statistics here. The population of 65 and older uh, individuals in the United States is expected to more than double between now and 2060. Now, granted, mm. that's thinking a long time out, but remember, this is sort of generational, so it's going to be years as this is phased in. Right. Uh, if we take that one step further, uh, 85 and older is expected tr- to triple in that same time. Wow. And so, bottom line, what this means is a lot of money that is going to be flowing through uh, health spending. It's, it's expected to reach about 20% of, of overall GDP uh, versus somewhere in the neighborhood of 17% today. So, there's going to be a lot of money being spent there, and a lot of that money is going to be uh, spent on uh, pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just you know a fact of the matter. And so, companies like Catamaran, Bring that um, you know that sort of skill set to the table for United Health, and and I think that ultimately, I mean, it makes sense when you look at Catamaran today. Uh, they have an annual prescription volume of more than 250 million mm. um, adjusted PBM prescription claims. So they're they're. Plenty of people funneling through that network. Right, they're the fourth largest, I think. Right, it, and yes. United Health is the third largest. I, be- I, that I believe that's that. That is, I think that's correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, if you look at the the way Catamaran developed uh, through time, here was originally SXC Health Solutions. Uh, they acquired Catalyst Health in 2012. Uh, in in order to sort of you know bring more scale and and that PBM structure mm-hmm. uh, in, into that organization uh, in 2014, Catamaran brought in more than 21 and a half billion dollars in sales, a bit more than 500 million in free cash flow. So this is a very cash rich business, and it only makes sense for really United Health because this is going to give them that exposure, uh, you know, in that market uh, versus you know those those companies like CVS, for example, that are that are uh, already so established in that game. The deal, it implies a valuation of around 25 and a half times free cash flow. I don't think that's unreasonable mm. uh, when you consider uh, this is a, a leader in the space in Catamaran, uh, very, very established, and, and uh, obviously makes a lot of money. This is going to be you know, just one more sort of uh, you know, added strength to, to United Health's arsenal that, that will keep them 
really not only relevant but leading the space for uh, you know or not just this space but just health <laughs> health services in general for right. years to come and if you look at united health this is a company that makes 115 billion dollars in sales last year you know tack on the 22 billion or so uh, and growing that catamaran will bring uh, to the table there and it's it's uh, certainly i think a, a boon for for united health uh, here in the coming really not only years but really decades out absolutely and uh, catamaran uh, shares are up 25% today clearly shareholders are pretty happy about this uh, another headline literally uh, apple ceo tim cook has published an op-ed in the washington post today uh, the piece was written in response to the bill enacted in Indiana last week, which allows individuals to cite their personal religious beliefs to resist non-discrimination laws. Uh, now, we try to keep politics, obviously, out of our discussion here, but it's fascinating to me that the CEO of a major company like Tim Cook is has no hesitation, Taylor, to use his position to create a platform pr- for political awareness. This feels like a relatively new thing in business, where it used to be a CEO would just try to avoid any sort of, I don't know, Anything that people would get upset about. Now it's the norm for CEOs like Tim Cook to use their position to influence other people around the world. Are you okay if you're a shareholder in one of these companies with an outspoken CEO like Tim Cook? Are you okay with that? Are you still going to be investing in Apple after this? If I'm not an Apple investor, but it wouldn't sway my mind. Um, it's still a high-performing company. Um, I think it's okay, depending on what they're actually coming out and talking about. He's coming out from a humanitarian perspective. Treat all people equal. Mm. I'm completely fine with that. I feel like Apple is kind of kind of led by example in that regard, even since Steve Jobs was uh, founding the company and leading it through uh, the last few decades. And you know, you get a little questionable when they encourage employees, like Starbucks did a few weeks ago, to to engage in race relations conversations in the public forum at the stores. But if the CEO is using their power in order to do that, that's fine because they are one person. They're not encouraging um, their employees to maybe take an undue risk um, because you never know. There's a lot of radical folks out there, um, employees of these companies or or uh, people that use their products, um, so that might concern me a little bit. You see, Starbucks did pull back on that, but I have no problem with uh, with the CEO being outspoken on their personal views as long as they don't necessarily align the company behind them too much. Because after all, they are individuals. So what are we? Who are we to say to restrict their freedom of speech as long as they're not up there using the company's uh, clout to really? To, I mean, granted, the company created a lot of Tim Cook's personal clout because he's the CEO. Right. But uh, he's not. He's not saying Apple believes this. He's yeah. saying we're I not believe selling this. iPhones in Indiana anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. Not. Exactly. Yeah. If, if if that was the case, then you'd have to question his tactics. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm completely fine, and I, I actually applaud his effort. Jason, what's your take on this? I think this? it's a really interesting time we live in where I mean, you know, for the longest time CEOs, you know, they probably weren't really thought of uh, for their views on humanity and, and ethics and religion and whatnot. I mean, obviously, those are politics and religion are uh, have to be, you know, the two most polarizing uh, subjects in, in our country today. But really, what it all comes down to is is the idea of of our freedom to express ourselves, mm-hmm. and, and and you know, so that that's where he's coming from. I think it would be obviously a completely different story if he came out and said, "Hey, Apple discriminates, and right. you can't do anything about it." <laughs> Um, and, and obviously, he would be right to be able to say that because he has the freedom of speech to say that. Uh, but I can guarantee it probably wouldn't go over so well. Mm. Just uh, ask think, Lululemon. And yeah, other, other right, exactly. So, I mean, you, you have situations where uh, you know you have your Mike Jeffries and Chip Wilsons of the world that obviously stick their foot, uh, their feet in their mouths more than more than once, and, and the companies have certainly suffered from that. You, Starbucks. I mean, I think 
what Howard Schultz tried to do with with the like, hey, let's let's discuss race relations even even further, you know, on a more personal level. I think that that was taking it a bit too far because, mm. you know, like Taylor said, I mean, he was really bringing the entire company and and its employees into the mix there, and that's that's not fair for, from a number from a number of different perspectives. Um, and you know, Apple Tim Cook was just basically making the mess, stating the message that hey, we don't discriminate, and and we think that you know this is something that. You know, we need to be aware of going forward. We don't. We don't like this trend. We're going to express our feelings on this trend. Um, and, and you know, here's what Apple stands for. And, and so I think that's perfectly fine. I, I do think that you have to be extremely careful. You know, using using your position as a platform mm. uh, to sort of you know espouse your views on on politics and religion because they can be so polarizing. And um, yeah, it's 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 a delicate tan, a delicate dance you gotta you gotta perform there. And you notice this was an op-ed; it wasn't a Q and A session, right. so he wasn't right. just wheeling and dealing. He actually had some thought. This was thought out, probably well scripted. Right. Um, and, and he wasn't the first and only person to read this uh, before it went out to to the press. That's true. It wasn't just a random tweet at four no, a.m. Exactly, exactly. Hey, I've been thinking about this, guys. <laughs> Let me tell my millions of followers. And it wasn't like it was inflammatory. No, no, I mean, not no, at all. It was very People, well yeah, people who well disagree written. with them, and, and there are bound to be some who do, mm-hmm. uh, are, are you know well within their right to not purchase Apple products. I mean, I think that's how you you sort of you know, state you know state your position there. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who do agree, they can continue to you know purchase Apple products and take it to whatever you know degree they want via social media or, or, or whatever other channel. Um, I think it's great today in this day and age that we have you know the channels to be able to express ourselves in such a way that that we didn't have um, you know just even really ten. 10 years ago. Yeah, easily. All right, uh, moving on. In fast food news, McDonald's has announced it will begin testing serving breakfast all day in certain markets. People are crazy about their fast food breakfasts, guys. Taco Bell, <laughs> for God's sake, Taco Bell has entered the fray here. Jason, is breakfast really the most important meal of the day for these companies? Why is everyone so crazy about breakfast? Well, I think they are realizing that breakfast is sort of that one frontier that hasn't completely been demolished by. <laughs> Uh, you know your Chipotle's of the world, mm. and and that's, you know, I mean, it, it's it's that you wake up in the morning, you're you're getting your coffee, and, and McDonald's has been very well known for their McMuffins or biscuits, and Taco Bell kind of jumped in there with the the, the waffle taco. I was, I was surprised Delicious. to see the waffle taco disappear so quickly. I know. And go to the biscuit taco. I, I mean, know. it's uh, not not really innovation. I would say it seems kind of like a step backwards almost. <laughs> right. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think that they see the breakfast opportunity out there. They see companies like Panera and Starbucks capitalizing on it. And and they want to see if they can get their fair share. I, I think it presents a a bit of a logistic uh, logistical hurdle for for McDonald's because you just have so many so many moving parts, so many pieces that go into that mm-hmm. to that you know average store um, that that you know bringing breakfast as like a, a full day offering I think it just adds a little bit more confusion maybe well that um, was that was one of the things on a recent or on a couple of recent quarters for McDonald's it was slow uh, lines uh, just because there were so many different things on the menu the menus themselves were so confusing yeah. not just for consumers but also for employees that they were mixing up orders now you're telling me you're fitting a McGriddle next to a McDouble <laughs> and you're not gonna <laughs> screw that up I don't know Taylor what's your take on this do you think McDonald's can pull this off? I'm kind of confused because over the you also mentioned on the last couple of calls that they've been talking about no more major changes. They want to become more right. efficient. They actually want to slim back. And then here you go, 24-hour breakfast, not just not just all day, but 24-hour breakfast in some locations they're talking about. So yeah, they're going to have to really 
pull together because they understand up until 10.30 how much breakfast they're going to sell. Mm-hmm. But they don't quite know yet how much between 10.30 a.m. and the, the remainder of the day that they're probably going to have to have some competition between burgers versus McGriddles. Right. And they're going to be left over with some inventory, I would imagine, at a lot of stores until they get this figured out. Well, also think about it. I mean, if you want a breakfast sandwich today, I mean, I could go to the Starbucks across the street at three in the afternoon get a nice and one. get a mm-hmm. very good breakfast <laughs> sandwich. And that's something they've already incorporated into their uh, day-to-day routine there. So, I mean, what, what McDonald's is thinking about here isn't revolutionary at no, all. No. It really reeks of desperation. And I think we've talked about this a lot with these these fast food restaurants, is that fast food as we know it, as, as I grew up on, um, notice how I didn't include you guys. Thank I you know for that. You guys aren't as old as I am, but, mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, that's it, it's not the same fast food industry that that um, you know I, I remember you know even thirty years ago. It just is uh, it's a completely different landscape now. In in the McDonald's and Burger Kings and, and Wendy's of the world are really they're having a, a real real tough time figuring out exactly how to capture this this millennial market and and the older generations uh, beyond them. Uh, with with their typical fast food offerings that they've carried that that's brought them to to this point. It reminds right. me of that scene in Big Daddy where they get to the McDonald's and breakfast is not served anymore. He <laughs> just misses it and He's he loses his mind. Throws a fit. Yeah. <laughs> but now you can just all right, screw you. I'm going to Starbucks right across the street. It's true. That's fine. No uh, problem. And how many how many people is how many people are just going to go in there that instead of getting the Big Mac, they are just going to get the breakfast sandwich? I mean, is it going to bring new customers in, or is it going to just change? It's going to sway with you know the, exactly. the <laughs> what the present customer already wants. I don't, I don't know, know if I want to. You get the Big McMuffin. McGriddle, like the double stack McGriddle oh, with gosh. extra syrup on it instead of the Big Mac sauce, That's cheeseburger horrifying. biscuit, cheeseburger biscuit. <laughs> Let's move on before this gets more <laughs> disgusting. All right, last but certainly not least, Amazon has unveiled their newest efforts to become the only web website you'll ever need ever. Uh, it has debuted Amazon Home Services, which allows you to find a local repairman, technician, what have you, uh, maybe to help you install that new HDTV you just bought over on Amazon. Uh, Jason, this kind of sounds like another company out there uh, <laughs> that we know of. Do you think Angie's List can stand up to Amazon here? Man, I tell you, that that's the $50,000 question, right? I, I mean, Angie's List has had a tough time as a public company, and, and today it's, I think, another 5% down as of this taping mm-hmm. uh, upon this news. And I, I mean, I don't know that I would, I don't, I don't necessarily, I, w- I wasn't one that found Angie's List to be a very compelling investment idea. <laughs> Before this announcement, it's just Taylor's shaking so I can't his head say in the background. This announcement, I can't say this announcement really changed that point of view. Other than maybe now I find it even less compelling right. than I did before I woke up this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but if you look at the numbers, I mean, look at just given Amazon's mission, this seems to be something right in its wheelhouse. Oh yeah, right. I mean, they want to be the world's most customer centric company, and and this is one of those ways you can get out there and do that. And if you look at you know the the buyer base that Amazon has today. I mean, 270 million worldwide active accounts, mm. prime membership, somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 50 million members at this point and growing. Mm-hmm. Angie's List has 3 million paid user households. Woof. And and that, that number is <laughs> relatively flat. So, I mean, they're already behind the eight ball there. And, um, you know, the other thing about Angie's List and just the nature of that sort of market in general is, you know, once you find someone to do a repair like that, mm. Uh, at, at your house or whatever, home repair, home services, 
you know, you find someone you trust and then you, you keep using them. So right. you have no reason really to refer right. back to Angie's list again and again and again. And I mean, I've, I've certainly seen that dynamic play out in, in our household and, and I've spoken with other people and the same dynamic plays out in their household. Mm-hmm. So I, I just don't know how compelling of an offering uh, Angie's list really has. And, you know, Amazon doesn't have to do a whole heck of a lot really to succeed here. And it's just going to be one more thing that sort of adds to that, uh, you know, becoming the world's most cons- uh, customer centric company mission. Absolutely. Taylor, do you think the right move here then maybe is Angie's List throws in the towel, waves a white flag, and says, hey, Amazon, you could acquire us if you want to. We've already got this <laughs> network figured out. Yeah. You just you buy us out. We'll come in. We've got it all done, ready to go, and uh, we all don't have to lose our jobs. And we're selling at a discount. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes more sense than, I think, trying to compete with Amazon. And so. yeah. All right, poor Angie's List. Poor Angie's List. Jason Moser, Taylor Muckerman. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Mark Reith. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.